make a mistake when we try to compare. Sure, God's concerned about what we need. There's more than what's here, there's eternity. The grass not greener on the other side. Since the Garden of Eden, that's been Satan's lie. We need to confess how much we've been blessed. We need, thank God. We need, thank God, for all that we have. Cross the word and the blood of the Lamb. Savior who prays, Spirit who stays, sealing us on to redemption day. Heavenly Father who cares for our While the righteous drown in a river of pain Sometimes it seems God doesn't care That the wicked get wealthy while his people despair There's an appointment that all men will keep Those souls without God that won't like what they reap We consider therein and the wages of sin we need thank
closer to the greatest event that this world's ever known. He's coming when Christ shall return again to claim his own. He's coming, my Lord is coming. be alone he'll bring loved ones who've already gone they're coming and the power that raised Christ that day will enter into the grave he's coming my Lord is coming prepared. Don't let him catch you unaware at his coming. My Lord is coming. And at last his eyes shall see the one who Testament tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 12, and in just a moment I'd like to read one sentence of a verse, and then I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open, if you will, and I want to share two or three truths tonight from the Word of God. That's page 366, if you have an old Schofield Bible, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, and while you're finding your place there tonight, I want to say what a joy it has been to be here again uh, this, uh, this year. And I appreciate your preacher inviting me back. And I've kind of just, man, I kind of feel like I'm at home now when I come here. I've been coming for so long. And uh, so I appreciate the invite. And if he's right with God, I should show up 
sometime or another around this time next year if he's right with God. If, he's, if I don't show up, he's backslid. Pray for him. And uh, no, I'm kidding about that. But I love your preacher. I get to see him or used to before COVID. And uh, we probably go at different times now. I used to run into him at the hospital all the time. And I know he still goes a lot, and, and I do. I guess we kind of just go at different times. But I love your preacher. He loves this place. You know, and all the time I've ever been around your preacher, he has never had one thing negative to say about this church or any of you in my presence. He hadn't done that. And I like to be around preachers who like and love their churches. And, you know, you get around some preachers sometime, and, man, it's just how bad it is. And everybody hates him, and he hates everybody. And, and I, I, don't, I, 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 ain't, I ain't perfect, but I don't like to be around a whole lot of that stuff because it rubs off on me. It has a tendency to make me uh, uh, be negative, and I don't want to be that way. And your preacher is not like that. And I think you know how blessed you are to have the man of God that you have in this place. And I love him, love his wife, his son, his daughter, and they have a special place in my heart. Thank you for being here these nights. And I went home every night. My wife said, how'd it go? And I said, well, man, the singing was good. The preaching wasn't much. But we had some good singing this week. And I appreciate y'all singing uh, to the high heavens. Man, sang the roof off this place this week. And I can see kind of there's a difference. Y'all must have blew it up back there one time or another. But uh, I have enjoyed the singing and just the fellowship and the sweet spirit. Don't forget to be in your place Sunday morning. Is that right? Sunday morning. Y'all probably have Sunday school at 10 o'clock. Is that right? 10 o'clock Sunday school. Is that right? 12, uh, 11 o'clock preaching. And uh, so uh, we do it a little different because we have a Spanish church. So we go earlier. We, we just come off vacation. And so when I was on vacation, we, we went to another church. And I'm telling you, man, I was a nervous wreck waiting for 11 o'clock to come. Because our, our preaching service starts at 10. Our Sunday school is at 9 o'clock. And, uh, man, I thought to myself, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I took three Xanax. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. I did take some tagament. But anyway, trying to wait till the preaching time, uh, till time to go to church. I'm not used to 11 o'clock anymore. And I was a nervous wreck waiting on 11 o'clock. And so, uh, but anyway, be in your place Sunday. And when your preacher preaches, be excited, be happy. You know, sometimes the worst Sunday to preach the whole year is the Sunday after revival meeting. Can I have an amen? You don't even know nothing about that, do you? You know why? Seems like everybody's just... Uh, you know, and so be excited when you come to church Sunday and you'll be a blessing to your preacher. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I got my wife with me tonight. I appreciate her coming. I don't get her out much. I most time make her stay at home and I don't bring her to town much. But I decided I'd bring her to town tonight. And so she is with me. Honey, would you stand up just for a moment? I think you know her by now, but that's my wife there. And Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So I brought my thing with me tonight. I'm glad to have my thing here. And I love my thing real good. Amen. And hey, hey, we got several people from our church here again tonight. And I appreciate them coming this week. And many of them have been here almost. Some of them have been here every night this week. I don't know what have I happened last night. But anyway, that's another sermon. That'll come Sunday morning. But um, I appreciate y'all coming uh, to back the revival meeting as well. One final joke. Can I tell you this one? You don't have to laugh. You don't want to laugh. I don't even care if you don't laugh. It's okay. It's Thursday night. But I did hear about these three men. They were on one of these high-rise, you know, they were welders, and they were welding the beams together on one of these high-rise skyscraper buildings, and it come lunchtime. Now, one was an Irishman, one was a Mexican, and the other one was like me, a redneck. 
And so lunchtime came and they sat out on the I-beam. I'm talking about hundreds of feet off the air. And the Irishman opened up his lunchbox, pulled out his sandwich and said, corned beef, corned beef. He said, if I have corned beef one more time, I'm going to jump off this building. Well, the Mexican guy opened his lunchbox and he said, burritos, burritos. If I have another burrito, I'm going to jump off this building. The old redneck opened up his pail and said, baloney, baloney. If I have another baloney sandwich, I'm going to jump off this building. Well, they ate their lunch, went back to work. Next day showed back up. Come lunchtime, the Irishman opened up his lunchbox, saw that corned beef in there, jumped off the building to his death. The, the Mexican guy opened up his lunch bell, saw that burrito, and jumped to his death. The, the redneck opened up his lunch pail and saw that bologna sandwich, and he too jumped off the building to his death. And the company decided to make it cheaper. They would do all three funerals at the same time. So as the wives, the widows sat there that day, the uh, Irishman's widow was sitting there and she broke out in hysteria and began to cry. And she said, if I'd only knew, if I only knew that he hated corned beef, I'm so sorry, it's my fault. The Mexican's wife sat in there and said, if I only knew he hated burritos, I didn't know how bad, it's my fault. The redneck's wife was sitting there and said, don't look at me, he packed his own lunch. <laughs> and sometimes... Sometimes you just got to own it, don't you? And that's what revival is, man. Owning it. Just, just confessing up. And uh, so uh, I've been trying these new jokes. I got revival like the next four or five weeks. So I've tried some new jokes out on y'all. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to tell him the next place I go. Or I think I might just be quiet about all that. Could I read a sentence tonight? 2 Samuel chapter number 12. One sentence, verse number one. Now I've tried, I have a whole series of sermons that I preach about David, but I understand you all are going through the life of David here. I don't think you want to be going through the life of David. I think, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I understand y'all are doing that as well. So I've tried, I've tried to stay off that just a little bit. And, and tonight I don't, want to, I don't want to mess anything up, but I, I want to preach about this. Look at verse one. Verse one the first sentence, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David. If I understand that correctly, it was God's. It was God's fault that Nathan showed up over there at the palace. If I understand correctly, God sent Nathan to the palace to, uh, to get in the face of David. And uh, for just a little while tonight, I, I want to preach about that sentence. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. And I pray you'd help us tonight. Lord, I want to be a blessing. Final night of revival meeting. And I pray that you might help me and touch me. And Lord, I want to be a blessing to Brother Brian. I really do. And to the church. And so help us, I pray tonight, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of all the characters of our Bible short of the Lord Jesus himself, David is the most mentioned person outside of Jesus of all the people that are in the Bible. David is one of the great prominent people of our, of our Bible. I've been preaching over at our church, or I finished preaching not too awful long ago, about David, and I preached on the someones in David's life. The someones. 
You know, the, all the things that could be said about David, about him being all those things I talked about, I guess it was on Monday night, and all the hats that he wore. Probably uh, the greatest thing you could probably say about David is the fact that David was a people person. David had that kind of a personality that just made people, people feel wanted in his presence. I mean, even in the darkest days of David's life, people were flocking to him. I'm talking about those days in the cave of Adullam and Saul was hunting him down, trying to kill him. And, and there was David running for his life. And even when he was residing in a cave, the Bible said that 400 men came in. He just had that kind of a personality that probably made you feel like, though he just met you, you was one of the best friends that he ever had. You ever seen people like that? I mean, they got that winsome kind of a personality. They attract others unto themselves. And David must have been a man like that because there was people constantly resorting and coming to David. Well, because of that, there are a lot of stories that are interwoven in the life of the story of the life of David. I mean, you can't help but read through his life. And as you do so, you read the stories of men like uh, Abishai. Boy, what a good man Abishai was. And then you read about people like Ahithophel. Oh, how sad the story of Ahithophel. And then you read the stories of other people like Beauty and the Beast. I'm talking about Nabal and, uh, and Abigail. Beauty and the Beast. And you read the stories of a lot of other people in the, in the, that, that are interwoven, inter, intertwined with the story of, of David's life. And you can't help but just preach about some of their stories, uh, their part that they played in the life of David. And so I preached a whole series of sermons, and I'm not going to preach the whole series tonight. But here were some of my thoughts. I thought about this. Number one, there's someone in my past. That's Bathsheba. There's someone on my heart that's Mephibosheth. You know, as wonderful as the story of Mephibosheth is, it would have never happened in our Bible. Our teenagers, probably your teenagers, sing the story, the song about Mephibosheth, and boy, what a great story that is. But that story wouldn't even be in our Bible had not David said, hey, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show him some kindness for Jonathan's sake? You know what happened? David got somebody on his heart, and we got the story of Mephibosheth in the Bible. You know, something I'm afraid that's happened since the days of COVID is the fact that as God's people, we don't get nobody on our heart much anymore. Am I right? I think sometimes we sit in our churches and we wonder why people aren't getting saved. But uh, as great and as mighty as God is, hear me and hear me well, not even God can save somebody where everybody's already saved. Am I right? What's he going to do? Resave us? I didn't talk in the Bible. And I think if we're going to ever see people start coming to Christ again, we're going to have to get somebody on our heart and get beyond the four walls of the church, back out into the community, get that uncle, that aunt, that brother, that sister, mom or dad, that co-worker, that friend, that neighbor. We're going to have to get them back on our heart again, friend, if we're going to see them come to Christ. Somebody on my heart. And tonight, for just a little while, I want to use this thought. There's somebody in my face. And I'm talking about the preachers that were in David's life. Over at our church, we, uh, and I'm sure y'all do as well, but we placed, y'all have like a baptistry, Brother Brian, around here, a baptistry? or The river, okay. Yeah, yakking. Well, at our church, we have a, ba we have a baptistry. Thank God we don't have to go to the river, especially when it gets cold. 
But, uh, and we really, and I'm sure y'all do as well, but we make a big deal about baptism at our church. Uh, three or four, five, six years ago, I set a goal to baptize 250 people that one year in our church. And, um, and uh, boy, some people got mad in our church. They started saying, oh, Gammons, he'll baptize a monkey if he gets saved. And I thought, well, if he's saved. <laughs> supposed to get baptized if he's saved. They, they accused us. And by the way, we baptized about 270 two or three people that year. And they accused me one time of running a church bus through a car wash with the windows down. We make a big deal about baptism. And I, I, as I've gotten older and I turned 60, uh, as I've gotten older, I am baptizing less and less and less. So I let the assistant pastor do most of the baptism now. But occasionally somebody will say, hey, preacher, I'd like for you to baptize me. And I, I'm fine with that. So I'll, I'll get in the baptistry and I'll say what I got to say and I'll lay them back and then we'll bring them up. And then here's what we say after we baptize them. Here's what we say. Thus we fulfill the word of God to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature and baptize those that believe. We say that. That's burned in my mind. Man, I, if I ever get Alzheimer's, you come to the rest home and I ain't got a tooth in my head. I'll probably be saying, sitting there saying, that's we fulfill. That word of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, 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 I, and I've got that down. And our assistant pastor has got that down. But when I baptize every once in a while, just to kind of break up the monotony of it, here's what I'll say. Thus we fulfill the word of God to go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature because every creature needs a preacher. And tonight I want to preach on every creature needs a preacher. Friend, I'll tell you that was true of David's life. David needed a preacher. And can I say that's true of my life and that's true of your life. Every creature needs a preacher. As you move through the story of David, you can't help but notice the different preachers that came across, that came across the uh, scene of David's life. In fact, as you read the story of David, you'll find out there were three different prophets. Now, I understand there are no prophets today. Prophets were foretellers and prophets were forth-tellers. Prophets stood up and prophesied God would reveal to them something that was about to happen. And they would prophesy. They were foretellers and they were forth-tellers. I mean, man, they'd stand in your face, preach you to hell and back. You know why they wanted to get you right with God? Because they didn't want to see the judgment fall upon their nation. They were prophets in our day. We don't have no foretellers. But every preacher ought to be a forth-teller. Every preacher ought to have enough backbone, friend, to get up behind the pulpit, crack open his precious Bible, and love people enough to tell them what the Word of God has to say. Proclaim the Word of God. Thank God for the preacher tonight. David had three preachers in his life. Here they are. Number one, there was Samuel. Number two, there was Nathan. And number three, there was Gad. And David needed all of these three preachers in his life in order to be successful for God. Every creature needs a preacher. Now let me just stop and say while I'm right here, you say, well, preacher, sounds like you're preaching two preachers tonight. 
And I guess maybe in a sense, maybe I am. But I, what I want to do tonight is I want to help you to understand, uh, to understand how blessed you are to have a preacher in your life. Can I have an amen? Every creature needs a preacher. Guess what? You do too. Guess what? So do I. And God has given you a preacher because God knows this church needs a preacher. This community needs a preacher. This county needs a preacher. And guess what? You need a preacher. Your wife needs a preacher. Your teenagers need a preacher. Your children need a preacher. Your mom and your daddy and your grandma and your grandpa and your aunts and your uncles and your co-workers, your friends and your neighbors. God's people need a preacher tonight. Now, if you're wondering what our responsibility is in all of this, let me just pull up and say this. I'm moving on. But I just want to say it's our responsibility as members of the church, a church with a preacher, to be sure that we make their job easy as a preacher. God never has intended for me to make a preacher's life miserable. Let me give you a good verse while I'm right here. I'm going to quote it from memory, and it's in the King James. I have been watching TVN. I've been reading the KJV, and here's what I found in the KJV. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch over your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, why? Because that is unprofitable unto you. Check me out. Hebrews 13, 17. God said you need to obey those preachers. And he said this, they're watching over your soul. They're watching over your family. They're God's under shepherd in this world. And buddy, when they stand up and preach the word of God, and you say, preacher, they get on to us and, and they, they preach hard. But they're doing that, number one, because they love you. And they, won't, they don't want you to lose your marriage. They don't want you to lose your kids. They don't want you to lose your testimony. They don't want you to lose your joy. They don't want you to wind up as some illustration somewhere in some preacher story about how things used to be. They are watching over your souls as they that must give an account. Brother Brian's got to give an account for this church right here. You ought to think about this, how blessed you are. I don't know how many is here tonight. I'd say a few shy of three million. Would you? Uh, evangelistically speaking, I'd say there's 4,314 in here tonight. All you got to do is answer for yourself. That dear man of God has got to give an account to God for this entire church. I mean, he's in trouble. And the Bible said your job and my job is to be sure that the preacher does what he does with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable. For you. In other words, what he's saying, don't criticize the preacher. He's got a hard enough job. Don't be negative about the preacher. Don't try to turn everybody against you. I, hey, look, it's quiet in here now. Do I need to drop a plow right here just a minute? Don't be critical of your preacher. Hey, don't be negative about the preacher. Hey, love your pastor. If anybody ever begins to talk negatively about your preacher, smack them upside the head in Jesus' name. If you go to jail, we'll bail you out. Amen. Hey, I get it. I know there's creatures. Creatures. <laughs> Every preacher is a creature. 
Every creature is a... But I get it. I understand there are charlatans, there are hypocrites, there are pretenders, there are those who have given the ministry a bad name. You don't have that here at Faith Community Baptist Church. You got a man of God, a real man of God. And your job is to see to it that he does his job here at this church with joy and not with grief. Can I have an amen? Now you look at me. If I got to stop and do my own amen tonight, we're going to be here a while. If I got to preach a little bit and then do some amen, and I'm going to have to have a bigger love offer, to be honest with you, if I got to preach an amen. So if I was you, I'd say amen if you won't get out here in time to see Green Acres tonight on MeTV. Thank God for the preacher. Make his job easy. How do you do that? By being faithful. How do you do that? By showing up. How do you do that? By living right. How do you do that? By praying for him. How do you do that? By being an encourager. How do you do that? Show up when he needs something in his life. How do you do that? Make sure his needs are taken care of. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. I'll tell you what. There's been a many a preacher that had been killed by a congregation who thought it was their job to pass judgment on the preacher. Come on. That's not your job. Hey, it ain't going to be too much longer. I'm going to have to go somewhere and find me a church because I'm getting old. I've been rode hard and put up wet. I've been pastoring churches. I started my first church. I was 24 years old. So I've been pastoring 24 and 60. Is that 36 years? Is that right? I don't know. 36 years. I've been pastoring a church for 36 years. Since I was 24 years old, it ain't going to be long. I'm going to have to go hunt me a place to go to church. And I done told my wife, we're going to go to church. When service is over, we're going to be kind. We're going to get in the car. We're going to drive home. We're going to try to be a blessing to that preacher. I'm going to pass by every once in a while and say, hey, preach, how about taking this money and taking your wife out to get for some ice cream? Hey, preacher, would you take us right here and take them precious babies of yours and go out and get them, some, uh, go out and get them a, a, a candy bar or whatever? I want to be a blessing to the man of God that I'm going to have to sit under one of these days. But I'm here to tell you, friend, we want to make the man of God's job pleasant and not miserable you know why that's unprofitable to us can I have an amen Amen. (laughs) this is not going to go good tonight (laughs) but I want to talk about these three preachers that David had in his life I want to give them a title if I can because everybody needs these three types of preacher in their life. Let me say number one. Look with me if you will. Oh, well, don't do that. Let me, just, let me just prod your memory. Let me say number one, there was Samuel. And Samuel was David's preacher of introduction. Now, what do I mean by that? He was the preacher of introduction. What I mean by that is we know when we first meet David in the Bible, it's 1 Samuel 16. And we know that uh, David has been in total obscurity prior to 1 Samuel 16. It's been all about Saul. Saul's the first king of the nation of Israel. And Samuel, believe this or not, was the Billy Graham before there was a Billy Graham. You know, they say Billy Graham was the president, uh, the pastor to the presidents. He started with Truman back in, what, 1955. And they say ever since then, with every president, except after he, uh, until he passed away, they called Billy Graham the pastor to the president. Well, let me just say this. Before there was a Billy Graham, there was a Samuel. And he was a pastor to the kings of the nation of Israel. And he tried his best to help old Saul. But Saul rebelled against the word of God. And Saul rejected God's plan 
man for his life. So God picked Saul up and set him down and shipped the man of God, shipped the preacher down to Jesse's house because he was going to find him a new king over the nation of Israel. How many of y'all are with me? First Samuel chapter 16. So old Samuel the, pre- the preacher goes down to Jesse's house and you know the story how it all worked out. And there one by one, uh, Jesse's boys passed by Samuel and boy I'll tell you when he saw that first one, was it a Benadab or one of them? Man he was impressive. He was tall, he was handsome, he was muscular and Samuel said, start, got that bottle of oil, that horn of oil. And by the way you ever notice when the Bible said that it came to put the oil on Saul that they used just a little vial? But when it came to anointing David to be king over the nation of Israel they used a horn. I don't want that vial of, of oil. I don't want that little dabble, do you, religion? Can I have an amen? Hey, brother, hey, pour it on me, God. God dumped the horn on me. God dumped the oil on me. God touched my life. God helped me. God used me. God put your hand on me. And that's what happened. They went down there. That first one passed by. Samuel started screwing that the top off that old horn of oil. And God said, what are you doing? Put the, put the top back on that. He started putting it back on there. I mean, he was sure. The other, what, six or seven boys passed by. And finally, there were no more standing there. And Samuel, the preacher, looked over at Jesse and said, man's that it? Have I made a mistake here? And he said, well, there's one. There's another. He's out, in the, he's out in the fields watching the sheep. Listen to this. When Saul, they went to anoint Saul to be king of the nation of Israel, he was looking for lost donkeys. This shows you a little bit about the difference in the two. When they went to anoint David to be king over Israel, he is out watching the sheep. Amen. You be faithful in the little things. Hey, hey, you don't, you don't lose your donkeys. You watch your sheep, and God's got a place for you in the ministry. Can I have an amen? And old Samuel screwed the top off that one when he saw him. God said, that's him. Red-headed, ruddy-faced, probably 16, 15, 16, zero. that's him. Samuel went over took that oil, smacked it all over the top of that boy's head. There was the next king of the nation of Israel. Now the point that I'm trying to make is this. Samuel was the one who introduced David to the kingly life. He introduced David to the life of royalty. You know something tonight when we get saved by the grace of God, you know what we become in God's sight? Royalty. You know what kind of life we start living? The kingly life. Hey, can I just stop and say this? There's a verse in our Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 5, says this. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Remember that verse? And then verse 6 says this. And hath made us kings and priests unto our God. Now there you have the three things about Jesus. Number one, unto him that loves us, Jesus cares. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus cleanses. And he's made us kings and priests. Thank God he changes. Amen. You stop and think about it. God takes beggars and makes them heirs. God, God takes peasants and makes them royalty. God takes sinners and turns them into saints. God takes darkness and turns it into light. I'm just trying to say it was Samuel who went down to the house and introduced David to the royal life. And thank God for the preacher. I said thank God for the preacher who stood up before me the night that I got saved by the grace of God and introduced me to the kingly life of royalty. 
Thank God for the preacher of introduction. By the way, can I stop and say this? You know why Samuel showed up in the life of David? It's because somebody prayed for him. His mama's name was Hannah. She didn't have no babies, and she wanted a baby. She went to the church. The church was a mess. She went to the church, stood over there with a broken heart, began to pray, made God a promise. If he'd give her a boy, she'd give him back to him. And guess what? About nine months later, uh, she, she uh, had, gave birth to a little baby boy, and she called him Samuel. You know what Samuel means? It means heard of God. She said, God heard my prayer, and I'm going to name this boy Samuel because he's a testimony to the fact that God heard my prayer. Hey, can I stop and say tonight, I really believe with all my heart we'd get more prayers answered if we'd stand up publicly and thank God for the prayers that he has answered. If we would acknowledge the fact that God heard us, that God helped us, that God honored us, that God helped us and gave us what we need. I'll tell you every once in a while before the preacher starts preaching, somebody ought to stand up and say, preacher, before you preach, Samuel Samuel preacher, God answered my prayer this week. I'll tell you somebody ought to stand up in the choir and say, hey, hey, brother Dan. I know it's dad, but I, th- I, call- I thought his name was Dan. Brother Brian said, I appreciate you, appreciate you leading the choir, dad. I can't hear. I thought he said Dan. One night he's going out the door. I said, God bless you, brother Dan. <laughs> if, if brother, <laughs> brother Dan starts to lead the choir, Somebody say, hey, Brother Dan, hold it just a minute. Samuel, Samuel, I believe God would answer more prayer if we'd give him public praise and acknowledge his power and his hand in our life. I think God would do more for us if we testify to his greatness and goodness. Amen. His mama prayed for him. That's why he showed up in the life of David. I thank God for somebody who prayed for me. Boy, I needed a preacher in my life. I was 16 years old, lost as a ball in high weeds, hanging around the wrong crowd and heading in the wrong direction. And about that time, a preacher showed up in my life. And boy, that preacher began to preach. Let me tell you, just real quick, I'm not going to go into a lot of it, but let me tell you about that preacher that showed up in my life as an answer to somebody's prayer. Can I stop and say he couldn't even read the Bible? He was, a, he was a sawmiller. He was a logger. He had big hands. He was a big man. And he couldn't even read the Bible. Every Saturday night, he would get up in the, in the pulpit next Sunday morning, and he'd say, all right, open your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And he'd say, this morning, I'm going to preach from the story of Lazarus. And the reason he knew everything about the story is because Saturday night, his wife would sit there and read to him the story of Lazarus. And I'll tell you somebody, to be that unlearned, I'll tell when he stood up and preached. Well, I'll tell you something began, something began to get a hold of my heart. Something I'd never felt before in my life. That man couldn't even read the Bible, but God sent him by the pathway of my life because God had bigger and better plans for me. You think about old David. The, the biggest thing he wants to do is to watch him little sheep. You know, a shepherd in the nation of Israel was the most lowly, the most uh, dirtiest. It was the most disrespected job in all the land of Israel. And David 
thought, this is it. This is going to be my life. This is my plan. But aren't you glad for the day when the preacher stopped by and said, hold it, God's got better plans. Hold it, God's got bigger plans. Hold it, God's got something better than even you can imagine. And God sent a preacher by and the preacher began to preach and began to tell you that there's something better than what you've got. There's a God in glory that's got better plans for your life. And God, that night, he introduced you to the kingly life. Who was that preacher that introduced you to the kingly life? For many of you, that preacher's sitting right here in this room tonight. His name is Brother Brian Poindexter. I'll never, I'll be indebted for the rest of my life to that man of God. He's in heaven. Couldn't even read the Bible. But I'll tell you, the more he preached, the more condemned I felt. The more he preached, the lower I became. And though I didn't get saved in church, I went home that night beside my bed as a 16-year-old teenager, and I invited the God of heaven to come into my heart. And the reason I did that was because Jesus died on the cross. But there was a preacher that came across the path of my life and told me God had better plans. You know what my plans were for my life? I was going to drive a truck. Now, there's nothing wrong with driving a truck. I want, my wife and I, I'll tell you this, I'm going to wrap this up. Last week in Mount Airy, I live in Fancy Gap, but we're both from Mount Airy. So we, we, we went down, we was going to go get us a cheeseburger. And there was people lined up all up and down Highway 89. And, uh, and so we pulled up beside of somebody. I said, I said uh, what's everybody sitting out here waiting on? Oh, she said, this lady said, she was an older lady. She said, that's going to be a truck parade down through here in just a moment. Yes, she said, tractor and trailers are just going to come and ride down this highway. And all these people sitting here, we went and grabbed us a cheeseburger. I went over there into advanced auto parking lot. I got me a front row seat, let the window down. And when them trucks, I guess there's 150 or 200 of them. Man, they come down through there, honk, honk. Man, that smell of diesel smoke. I told my wife, smell that. (sighs) I wanted to drive a truck. You know what I told her? Don't tell nobody I told y'all this. I told her, this makes me want to go home and watch Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. Y'all pray for me. I ain't fully sanctified yet. Man, we sat there, them trucks began. I thought, man, <laughs> God had bigger plans. Not that there's anything wrong with driving a truck, but God saw a 16-year-old backward shy, introverted little boy, 16 years old, and God saw at the age of 18, he was going to reach down from heaven, put his hand upon my heart, call me to preach, give me a church when I was 24, and then give me Woodland Baptist Church when I was 33 years old. God had bigger plans than I could ever imagine, but it it took a preacher coming across the atmosphere of my life to tell me there was a God that loved me and had bigger plans. Can I tell you something? If you're lost tonight, God's got bigger plans and you sucking on a Budweiser bottle. God's got bigger plans than you cooking cooking meth. God's got bigger plans than you married five times with kids scattered everywhere. God's got bigger plans than you growing pot. God's got bigger plans than you seeking after money, wanting to live in this neighborhood, drive this car, wear this kind of shoes and clothes, build this bank account, invest in this IRA. God has bigger and better plans for you than that.
And it took a preacher to introduce David to the kingly life. Thank God for the preacher. Every creature needs a preacher. The preacher of introduction. There's a second preacher. I'm coming in for a landing. We got to go. I know. Last night, I don't care if you come back tomorrow night or not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 12, where we are at. And let me just say this, if I don't even get to the next one, I'm done. But not only was there a preacher by the name of Samuel, the preacher of introduction, but there was a preacher by the name of Nathan. He was the preacher of injunction. What does that mean? He was the preacher who went to David and rebuked him when he sinned. Can I stop and say this is amazing? Isn't it that God, after God loves us like he does, saves us like he does, is so good to us. Is it not amazing that we can still mess up our lives? Am I right? You know, David's life is divided, and I know your preacher's preaching this. Brother Brown, I'm sorry. You preach however you want to preach it, and whatever he preaches is right. But David's life to me seems to be divided in two sections, before Bathsheba and after Bathsheba. Just, just cut the chase. Boy, I'll tell you something, boy, he messed up his life when, he, when it came to Bathsheba. Took another man's wife, took another man's life. David's in a mess. Can I say this? David was in a mess mentally. David was in a mess emotionally. David was in a mess politically. David was in a mess, greatest of all, spiritually. David was messed up. Is it not amazing that a saved person with one dumb decision in their life can become messed up? Am I talking to somebody in here tonight that's messed up? One wrong thing, one lapse of judgment, one moment of weakness, and you can mess your whole life up. But aren't you glad God loves you so much that when you become messed up, and when you become broken and, you, and, and you're in your failure, aren't you glad God's got a preacher <laughs> to come to where you're at and rap on the door? Can I help you? Yeah, I'm here to see the king. Uh, <laughs> he's busy right now. I don't care. I'm here to see the king. Well, you don't understand. You can't just knock on the door. Look, I'm here. I got a message from God for the king. And it long to that, that old man of God walks into that palace room, sticks his finger in the face of David and said, David, thou art the man. Have you ever been to church before? And you walked in, you felt yourself getting a little bit cold on God. And Brother Brian got up here in that, behind this pulpit, that bald head shining. I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> And man, he started preaching. And the first thing you know, they want nobody in here but you and him. And God was wearing you out. 
And God was taking you to hell and back. The more he preached, the worse you felt. You say, preacher, I'm mad about that. Don't be mad. Be glad that God loves you enough to send a preacher to get in your face when he don't even know he's getting in your face. To rebuke you when he don't even know he's rebuking you. To jack you up when he don't even know he's jacking you up. To call your name when he don't even know he's calling your name. You know why? God is trying to get you right with himself and he uses a preacher to come by and to get in your face and call you back to himself. You know what? I thank God for the preachers that God sent along my pathway of life to get in my face in a moment of failure. God said, I'm not going to let you go. God said, I got a plan for you. You may have messed up, but God sent a preacher by with a message on backsliding. Or God sent a preacher by with a message of judgment. Or God sent a preacher by with a message of chastisement. And the first thing I know, I made my way to an old-fashioned altar, went my way back to God, and avoided and averted disaster. Why? I'll tell you why. There was a preacher that passed by my way. I got nothing bad to say about the preacher. I can't tell you how many preachers have saved my life. I could be messed up tonight. I could be hooked on marijuana. Hey, I could be hooked on porn. I could be hooked on uh, gambling. I could be a drunk somewhere tonight. And if it wasn't for the preachers, where would I be? Look at me. We ought to thank God for the preacher. We ought to love the preacher. We ought to respect the preacher. And I close with this one. There's a third one. The prophet of introduction, the prophet or preacher of injunction. But then there was a prophet by the name of Gad. And he was the preacher of instruction. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I was a typical teenager sitting in church, never listened and can I just close by telling you this? We didn't have youth groups. We didn't have Brother Brandon's back in my day, youth pastors. We had to do the same thing everybody else did. So if the old folks went to the old folks' home, the teenagers had to go with the old folks to the old folks' home. We didn't have, we didn't have youth meetings. A youth meeting? What's a youth meeting? We didn't have stuff like that. I mean, man, you just did. I sat in adult Sunday school classes all my life. I wasn't paying attention no way, but I... I mean, there was nobody there to help me. But then God sent a preacher by my way. His name was Bill Watson. I got saved when I was 16. I'm wrapping this up. I got saved when I was 16. Nobody ever told me to get baptized. I didn't know you're supposed to get baptized. Man, I lived the first two years of my Christian life. I didn't ever get baptized. I didn't know. Even though I've been in church, I ain't listened. And the preacher, they didn't preach a whole lot about that. And I didn't think getting baptized. Finally, when I got 18 years old, mom and daddy's church at that time was in a big fuss. And I looked at my daddy. I said, Daddy, can I borrow the truck and go find me a church to go to? I just wanted to try to live for God. Didn't know how to, but I wanted to. And daddy said, go find one. If you find a good one, let me know. I'll come with you. I got my daddy's uh, GMC white pickup truck, three-speed on the column. How many of y'all remember them three-speeds on the column, man? Am I dating myself now? Three speed on the column. Got in my daddy's white truck. Drove to Little Mountain Baptist Church in Ararat, North Carolina. That morning, I, I'm so shy, I can't even look you in the eye. So I drive in the parking lot. 
there's about 75 people standing in the front yard smoking a cigarette. Most of them were deacons. <laughs> Offering up burnt sacrifices before church. <laughs> I saw all that crowd standing in that front yard. I drove in one side. They had a circle drive. I drove around, drove right back out the other side, went back to mom and daddy's church that morning. I thought I'd never seen that many people in my life in a church. Next Sunday, I got to call me back down there. And you got to understand, I'm saved, but I'm rough around the edges. My hair is long. Now, not down my back, but I mean, my hair is long. And I walk into church that morning, and, and the preacher preaches, and I thought, man, it's pretty good. The choir sang. I can remember some of the songs they sang. When you're broken from the battle and you've lost another round. You remember that song? And I see a great band of angels. And people were shouting. Oh, brother, whoa. Man, I like this. On my way out the back door, preacher Bill stuck his hand out and said, I'm Bill Watson. I said, I'm, I'm Tim Gammons. He said, you looking for a church? I said, yes, sir. He said, hey, we got soul winning Tuesday night. I said, what's that? He said, oh, we go out and knock on doors. He said, if you'll come, if you'll come, you can ride with me. I said, seven? He said, seven. And I started to walk away. He said, but before you come, get your hair cut. I didn't get mad about that. I just thought, man, that's a preacher. He tell me to get my hair cut. I'm going to go get my haircut. I went and got me a Southside Special, Granite City Barbershop down. You say, what's that? That's where you can see the white walls on the sides of the head. It looked like, it looked like I had fluorescent, fluorescent lights. I mean, I just went to church and I went to the barbershop and the guy said, what kind of haircut you want? I said, well, I, I want to like one you wear to church. He said, oh, you want a Southside Special. I said, well, if that's what you wear to church, yeah, that's what I'll take. I, mean, I was bald-headed. I looked like I had white walls. On well, okay. I went to church Tuesday night, and that man of God took me under his wing and began to try to tell me how to live for God. He took me under his wing. Just a few months later, I didn't know this. <laughs> Just a few months later, 18 years old, God called me to preach. I didn't know anything about living for God. But I knew one thing, God called me to preach. I'll tell you this and I'm done. I walked down the aisle that night, knelt at the altar. And Joe Questenbury, a man in the church, come up to me and knowing how shy I was. And he said, Brother Tim, can I help you pray about something? I said, well, Brother Joe, God's called me to preach. And I needed a word of encouragement. And he looked at me and said, are you sure about that? <laughs> he said, don't you say a word. You talk to the preacher. I went after service. I went up to the pastor. Brother Bill. Can I talk to you just a minute? He said, yeah. We went in the Sunday school room. I said, uh, Brother Bill, the Lord's called me to preach. Brother Bill looked at me, and I need a word of encouragement. He said, are you sure? <laughs> and I said, best I know how. I feel like that's what God wants me to do. And that man of God began to pour his life into me. He invested into me. He spent time with me. He prayed with me. Showed me how to study my Bible. Showed me how to wear my hair. Showed me how to dress like a preacher. Most of all, told me how to love Jesus. He was my preacher of instruction. And I thank God. I am today what I am by the grace of God.
But God gave me some preachers along the pathway of my life that helped me to become not what I am, I ain't what I'm supposed to be, but thank God I ain't like I was because God gave me some preachers. And I said all that to say this, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Don't run down the man of God. Love him. Show him you love him. Hey, it wouldn't probably hurt for everybody in here tonight to go over and hug. Not yet. Go hug his old bald head. Probably wouldn't hurt a thing tonight. Let me tell you something. You say, well, preacher, we don't want him to get the big head. Don't worry, somebody. It'll be along a little bit and let it out. Don't worry about it. I said all that to say this. Are you with me? Every creature needs a preacher. You're welcome. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Brother Elijah, I'm glad the Lord let me be your preacher. Son, I love you with all my heart. Elijah's a young preacher in our church. And I, I want to be Brother Bill to Elijah. I really do. I want to help that boy. I, I want one day to him invite me to come to his church and preach. And I want to look at him and think, man, I remember what he was when he come in. He was rough around the edges, but boy, God's changed his life. God had a plan for him. And however small my part may be in that, I just want to be a preacher of instruction. I was his preacher of introduction. I guess maybe there's been a time or two I've been his preacher of injunction. But I want to be his preacher of instruction. Would you stand with me tonight? Are you? Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service after our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.